the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a free for all Friday. Can you dig it? <laughs> kind of feeling it free for all friday edition of always right radio the eighth morning of the fourth month of the year of our lord 2022 coming up on the program in a half an hour we talk once again to the brilliant dr carol swain dr swain has written a new piece on crt of which she is an expert uh for the epic times and she attempts to put to bed once and for all the argument by the radical left that CRT, critical race theory, is not being taught in, uh, in public schools, in elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. The argument that, no, CRT is an elevated course in upper-level collegiate uh, uh, programs, at colleges and universities only. That is the attempted spin that the radical left tries to put on CRT. Dr. Swain clarifies the truth in this article uh, for the Epic Times, and she will join us to talk about it coming up at 9.35 this morning. I always love talking to Dr. Swain. Then, at 10.35, an hour after that, we'll talk to Christina Hagen, who has some thoughts on a few very important matters, particularly as they pertain to life. Uh, and I'm going to let her explain that, and also to freedom. And I'm going to let her explain that. There is a terrible, terrible, gruesome discovery uh, 
uh, of children, and uh, you probably have seen it. I don't want to get too in-depth on it right now, like I said, because Christina wants to talk about it at 1035. Also, a lawsuit, which I teased yesterday, didn't talk about, though, and I'll let her talk about that, too, in Akron against the Akron Children's Hospital, a class action lawsuit on behalf of 66 employees who were denied um, exemptions from the mandated uh, profit shots. Uh, they were denied religious exemptions, and there's a class action suit. So we're going to let her talk about that, too. So we have Christina Hagan on a few issues that are important to her today at 1035. Dr. Carol Swain at 935. Other than that, the full program is yours. And you can literally start dialing now on Free For All Friday, 216-901-0945, Don't forget, and I've got a whole bunch of, uh, I, I have to admit, I have been slacking, and I apologize. I have not been checking every day. Uh, the new recordings that are coming in from the website alwayswrite.us. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to be make sure I play the recordings. I always tell you, you can record your comments if you don't want to wait in line. You can record them at alwayswrite.us, and then I will play them and respond to them on the air as if it were one of your phone calls. So if you don't want to wait on hold or if you can't get through, or maybe you just don't listen to this show live. You listen to it on podcast later, and you want to have a say, but you can't call because you can't listen live because you're working. All those reasons are why I put this together at alwayswrite.us. Go to that sound off button on the right side, click it, record it, send it to me, and I will play those, and I will make sure I live up to that today. All right, before we get started with this morning's top news stories of the day, and I've got a few that I think are extraordinarily important, uh, I would ask you now to rise. Stand, patriots, wherever you may be. Uh, if people are looking at you weird, why are you standing up for a Pledge of Allegiance by yourself or in a place where it's not actually an event where the pledge is being recited by everyone? Well, it's being recited where you're listening, on your phone, if you're listening to me through your radio speakers, through your computer speakers, through your Alexa devices. Tell those people they don't understand. It's a, it's a patriotic thing, and maybe they just don't understand. So go ahead and face your flag if you have one. And if you don't, just go ahead and pretend you do and put your hand on your heart and join me for the pledge. If you are a believer in the mutilation of children uh, under parental and government order, you don't understand what freedom and liberty is all about. You don't have to stand for this pledge. You go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You know, I hear that pledge, and I hear that salute to our freedom, and I hear that eagle screech um, at the beginning of each hour as part of our, you know, President Reagan uh, inspirational patriotic messaging. And I hear that, and I've told you this before, sometimes I just it catches me in a different way, in a different way than other times, and I get these goosebumps or these chills or whatever you want to call it. I know it sounds a little cheesy, but it's, it's real. Um, you'll get them, too, especially when you consider what the alternative could be. I'm about to play 12 seconds of something for you that's in Chinese. You will not understand it, but when I tell you what it is, you will understand why I played it. <laughs> Now, why did I just play that for you? That is the sound of a Chinese drone flying over the streets of Shanghai. And the translation into English 
of that message is comply with COVID restrictions. Control your soul's desire for freedom. Did you catch that? Comply with COVID restrictions. Now, by the way, this is the country that gave you COVID. Literally gave us a worldwide pandemic, the China virus. What they do to their people there is impossible, probably, to comprehend. And when you hear that part of the message translated, control your soul's desire for freedom. I mean, this is the Chinese version of Big Brother. I mean, literally, that's what this is. They're flying drones, and I'm assuming they have cameras on those drones, blasting out messages and and tracking people who may not be complying with COVID restrictions. You're outside of your dwelling. I can't imagine what happens when that's reported to the uh, you know to the secret police. Control your soul's desire for freedom. The Chinese communists tell the people of China. And I the reason I, this struck me when I heard this clip and I saw this story. Is because we play that pledge every day, and we, we we pledge our allegiance to our flag because we know that it represents freedom, it represents liberty. And I can't imagine what it must be like to live in a country like that where you don't have it, and all you have is your soul's overwhelming desire for it. And every time you may think about expressing it or grasping for it, for freedom, here comes Big Brother Mao, or now Xi Jinping flying overhead by way of drone, and telling you, get back inside, comply with COVID restrictions, control your soul's desire for freedom. I hope you just think about that from time to time, whenever you think about problems that we might have. Um, The one thing that we are working very, very hard to maintain here is freedom. The fight for liberty is an everyday fight, Uh, and I hope you understand that. In other countries, they would... They would give their lives. They would give their lives, which, of course, we have here. Now, maybe not you and I, we're alive. But the founders of this great country and every person who has ever fought to protect and preserve her uh, have indeed given their lives for freedom. And I guarantee you there are millions of people in countries like China, communist, oppressive countries, that wish they had the freedom that we do here. All right. Having said that, I want to get into the other top story, or one of the other top stories. We have been spending a lot of time, as has the mainstream media, as has social media, as have probably you and your families. I got a haircut yesterday. I got a haircut yesterday in a sport clips, and my hair cutter, and there was one other guy in there at the time. He was having his hair done, and there were two females who were doing you know, uh, uh, our, our, our haircuts, and we were engaging in a conversation, my, my stylist and I. Uh, on on trans, and it wasn't me that brought it up. I don't advertise who I am whenever I go into public places. People will hear my voice and recognize them from time to time. But she brought it up, and she was talking about her nephew who's trans. I don't even know why, but she did. And, of course, she got me going and talking about it. And then come to find out that the guy across the aisle, or actually behind me on the other side of the, the, you know, the area, uh, was talking about the very same thing to his stylist. And so suddenly the four of us were engaged in this big, 
panel discussion of trans and trans rights versus uh, you know uh, science and 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 so and faith and so forth. It was an amazing thing. So this is this is on the on the minds of people everywhere. And I want to share this next clip with you of Peppermint Patty, aka Madam Circleback, aka Jen Saki, um, aka the Walking Lie Machine. Um, I want you to listen to her illustrate the Brandon administration's position on the mutilation of children. Now, this is a little longer than that drone clip I played. It's about a minute and 40, but I want you to listen to all of it, and I want to respond to it. And I welcome you to respond to it at 216-901-0945. But before I push play, sometimes you'll hear me refer to Democrats. I change one letter in the word Democrat, and it becomes demon rat. Change the C to an N, and you have demon rat. And I find it appropriate, and I use it for a purpose, because some, not all, but some, of the Democrat policies with which I so vehemently disagree rise to the level of not just leftist or progressive or liberal. Some of the things that they espouse rise to the level of demonic, driven by evil. All right? I think you've heard me talk about this before, at least in some aspect. I'm going to use that word now because this is just flat-out evil. This is flat-out demonic. This is not Democrat politics. This is demon-rat politics when they talk about drugging and mutilating children on their whim and punishing people who won't go along with that demonic exercise. Here is... uh, Madam Circleback. Item for you before we get to your questions. Uh, Across the country, as we've talked about a bit in here, Republican elected officials are engaging in a disturbing, cynical trend of attacking vulnerable transgender kids for purely partisan political reasons. Today in Alabama, instead of focusing on critical kitchen table issues like the economy, COVID, or addressing the country's mental health crisis, Republican lawmakers are currently debating legislation that, among many things, would target trans use with tactics that threatens to put pediatricians in prison if they provide medically necessary, life-saving health care for the kids they serve. Just like the extreme government overreach we've seen in Texas, where politicians have sent state officials into the homes of loving parents to investigate them for abuse just to harass and intimidate the LGBTQI plus community, today's vote in Alabama will only serve to harm kids. But I need to pause there just to ask you to soak in the extraordinary uh, fiction that you are hearing right now. I mean... I don't know who writes this stuff for her. They must employ like a staff of, of, of you know, America's top fiction writers and just say, we need you to come up with, uh, you know, some doozies, some Lulus here to explain the insanity and the evil of what we are pushing. We need you to flip the script and make it appear as though people who are trying to protect children from the overwhelming desire to indoctrinate and groom them to turn them into sexual beings as little children. We need to turn those people into the victims and turn those who are trying to protect children from that into the criminals. All right? That, that's what we do. What can you do? And they sit down at their little keyboards and they tap out this, that, and the other, and they revise it and they refresh it and they cut it and they delete it and they start again and they come up with this and they say, here, Jen, go. And that's what you're listening to right now. 
Alabama's lawmakers and other legislators who are contemplating these discriminatory bills have been put on notice by the Department of Justice and the Department of Health and Human Services that laws and policies preventing care that health care professionals recommend for transgender minors may violate the Constitution and federal law. Again, just remarkable talent there. The writers, the fiction writers who are putting this stuff together for her to read from that podium. Remarkable. The Department of Justice has put them on notice. If these legislators enact any type of restrictions that would stop health care providers from providing health care for transgender minors, what is health care for transgender minors in the, in the eyes and in the minds of a demon rat? I think we know. To be clear, every major medical association agrees that gender-affirming health care for transgender kids is a best practice and potentially life-saving. All of this begs... It kills kids, but usually not until they're teenagers or young adults. It kills them when they realize what has been done to them because of the impetuousness of their youth while being indoctrinated by groomers. It's an important question. What are these policies actually trying to solve for? LGBTQI plus people can't be erased or forced back into any closets, and kids across our nation should be allowed to be who they are without the threat that their parents or their doctor could be imprisoned simply for helping them and loving them. Uh, President Biden has committed in both words and actions to fight for all Americans and will not hesitate to hold these states accountable. The talent is in two places, really. It's in the fiction writers who put these little speeches together for her. And I'll give Madam Circleback credit. She's talented because she's able to read these things with a straight face. She's actually able to read these without just kind of like rolling her own eyes and breaking up and and just laughing at the absurdity of it all. But the reality is that it's not absurd. It's evil. It's demonic. Because what they're talking about with health care for trans minors, they're talking about puberty blockers that will forever change their bodies. Forever. And even when their minds clear from the confusion that is intentionally being poured into it by the groomers and the Rainbow Mafia agenda drivers, when their brains actually get clear of all of that as they start to grow up, they will forever resent and regret those who did this to them. And that's just the puberty blocker side. When we get into the mutilation, when we get into physical alterations of bodies, removal of body parts, well, that's why it is so extraordinarily important that we push back harder than ever before against this agenda, because that's irreversible. And that is what these poor kids who then become young adults and adults who have all of this massive regret, that's what they find out later. Their mind got cleared, but their body is now forever changed and mutilated. This isn't just an ideological discussion. This is evil incarnate, what they're doing to children. And if you've got thoughts on it, you know I want to hear them. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Right back on Always Right Radio. Nine twenty-eight now, AM fourteen twenty. The answer coming up in about seven minutes. We're going to talk to Dr. Carol Swain. We're going to talk about CRT, critical race theory, and we're going to talk about how it is not a college-level course. 
It may indeed be taught at colleges, but it is its elements are being found in classrooms all across this country, in urban areas, in suburban areas, in public schools, in private schools, in charter schools, everywhere. And she sought to clear that up in a recent article for the Epic Times. She's going to clear it up for us coming up at uh, uh, at nine thirty five. Uh, let me squeeze Charlie in in Westlake. Charlie, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, Bob. Free for all, right? I can talk about anything. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm watching these all these videos, and, and it really does look like the Ukraine is or Ukraine is beating Russia. And I'm looking. I'm going. How can that be? These are ragtag. You know. I think conventional warfare is over. I think uh, using tanks and, and armored vehicles, they're just being annihilated. Thousands of Russian vehicles are, are gone. And how did that happen? It's because uh, I think uh, shoulder-carried missiles and drones have changed warfare. I don't think anybody's going to be able to use tanks anymore. We should start saving money and not building tanks because they're just being destroyed by the thousands. What do you think? Well, I don't know that I necessarily see it that way. They're not using some some sort of different type of warfare on the Ukrainian side. Um, you know, it, both sides have you know shoulder uh, to air. You know, uh, and I know you're talking about tanks, not necessarily air, but the types of weaponry you're talking about: shoulder to air missiles uh, and and rockets to to take out big things. And as far as drones, the reality of, the, of this is that the side that's using drones more is the Russians. Even though they're getting, you know, decimated in some of these cases, they're not in all of them, but the Russians are the ones who control the airspace. Of course, you know, that's one of the biggest debates going on right now. And thank you for the call, Charlie. I'm up against the news. That's one of the biggest debates going on right now is whether or not we should help control the airspace or NATO should provide a no, no fly zone so that the uh, Russians who are crushing and destroying uh, innocent people in Ukraine by air cannot do so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Ukrainians, I told you when I did that interview with Casper. He said, on the ground, we can handle this. We can win this. We can defeat them and drive them back into Russia. He said, but our problem is the air. That's where we need the support. Thanks for the call, uh, Charlie. We'll get a quick time out here, take our news uh, break. Then we're going to come back and talk CRT with Dr. Carol Swain on AM 1420 The Answer. media is always left tune your radio to the right and find a voice of reason amid the liberal chaos always right with bob france on am 1420 the answer 937 i'll always write radio on am 1420 the answer look at this country we don't want to even teach critical race theory because that requires that we admit that we did something wrong so if you're going to give reparations to people in jamaica you're going to have to admit that you were bad in the first place i don't see people doing that so easily look at what we're in the middle they haven't I even think paid what we're in the middle of is a little Excuse different me. they haven't even paid reparations to native americans in this country i mean it's not going to happen so fast i'm just saying people don't want to admit that they did something wrong People don't want to admit that they did something wrong. Well, I'm looking at people today, and I'm not finding anybody here that did anything wrong when it comes to uh, the horrific uh, scourge of slavery in the United States. And you know what else? I don't think there's anybody alive today who was ever enslaved either. But that's not what critical race theory is all about. It's what they want it to be about. But critical race theory is about so much more than going back and assigning blame in the past. Critical race theory is about changing the the uh, attitudes of the present and the future. 
the one of the leading drivers of critical race theory and anti-racism, Ibram X. Kendi, said that the only answer for past discrimination is present discrimination, and the only answer for present discrimination is future discrimination, all based on what you look like. Simply astounding. And that's why critical race theory is such an important issue for us to discuss. And joining us now is uh, one of the most knowledgeable people on this issue working in America today. Dr. Carol Swain uh, is the author, the co-author of Black Eye for America, How Critical Race Theory is Burning Down the House. She is also an award-winning political scientist and former tenured professor at Princeton and Vanderbilt. Dr. Swain, good to have you back on the program here in Cleveland. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. I read your latest article in the Epic Times about critical race theory, and, and I'm so glad that you addressed this aspect of it. What those who seek to pro- promote and to teach and to indoctrinate with critical race theory argue is that it's not being taught in our elementary schools and in our middle schools and in our high schools. It's only a college-level course anyway, so anybody who tells you it's being taught below that is lying to you. You did a ter- terrific job of deconstructing that lie because it doesn't have to be a course called critical race theory for it to be implemented into our public schools, does it? <laughs> no. And uh, that is uh, like a Democrat talking point. But there are some progressive active- activists who not only admit that it is being taught, but they want it to be taught uh, openly. And so there's some division there. But Critical race theory, uh, it can be a course, but it's also a view that's rooted in Marxism and postmodernism. And postmodernism is the theory, you know, where we get that everything is relative, there's no absolute truth, and conflict theory. Conflict theory is a part of Marxism. And what it does, the goal is to divide. Uh, with critical race theory, uh, whites and blacks are divided into oppressors and the oppressed. And according to uh, the theory, all white people are privileged because of their skin color, and only whites can be guilty of racism. Whites are the only group that have an obligation to become uh, actively anti-racist, and minorities are forever victims who have to be liberated by whites who engage in the permanent work of um, seeking, you know, redemption for their skin color and their racism, how they were born. Dr. Swain, you write in your article for the Epic Times about this, the uh, the enormous influence um, that critical race theory has in our day-to-day lives without the words critical race theory being used, but other buzzwords such as culturally competent learning, social justice, anti-racism, which you just mentioned, restorative justice, equity, and implicit bias. Those things are everywhere. Do, do you think that people understand when they hear those words being advanced in schools, when they hear them being advanced perhaps in their, in their places of business in corporate offices that what they are really being taught and 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 what is being pushed on them is is critical race theory no i don't think so the left always use uh euphemisms to substitute for what they're actually saying and doing and uh socially emotional learning sel i mean that's uh in independent schools as well as public schools and that very much is how they are indoctrinating the children because it's um you know, it's social, social-emotional learning. It's not an academic uh, subject, but teachers get to evaluate your child on how empathetic they are, and they uh, are using 
they have decided how our children should feel about certain things, how they should think. And if they're not thinking properly, then uh, they are not, um, you know, they, they are evaluated as lesser. They could be downgraded because they're not uh, scoring high enough on social, emotional learning, which is about empathy and about your feelings and about that soft, mushy stuff. Dr. Swain, how closely aligned um, in the in the agenda of the the, the progressives and, and those who control academia are critical race theory and critical gender theory? They're very much aligned, as is critical queer theory. And many parents are focused on critical race theory, as they should be, but there are these other theories that have taken place that have also seeped down into the classroom. Uh, and so how they manifest themselves in the classroom, uh, for some time now, they have had um, uh, K through 12 uh, sex education that talked about uh, uh, homosexuality, introducing children to those concepts, introducing them to masturbation, telling them it feels good, good when your body parts are touched. Uh, that has been going on for a while. I wrote about that in a book uh, called Abduction, how liberalism steals our children's hearts and minds, and critical race theory has been in the school system, uh, I would say, uh, for, certainly since 2010, 2011. Uh, and it is often disseminated through books, videos, and teaching materials. You know, that's really important to hear because, uh, first of all, it's 2022. Most people really started hearing, you know, in earnest and learning in earnest about critical race theory in the last two years, maybe the last three years, uh, not the last 12 years. Um, so in what capacity, Dr. Swain, and if you just turned us on, Dr. Carol Swain is with us. She is the author of Black Eye for America, her most recent work, uh, How Critical Race Theory is Burning Down the House. Um, so, so you talk about these teaching tools in these books you were at reference in the epic times article the youngest marcher uh which depicts white people as mean and evil these things have been around not just for the last two or three years but as you say for at least a decade well one of the uh, uh there's a video that i would encourage people to look at i believe it's called the unequal opportunity race and it's animated and it was produced in 2011 um kim crenshaw the woman who came up with the concept of intersectionality, which is also one of the buzzwords of CRT, that pretty much argues that there's some people, the more boxes you can check as being a disadvantaged minority, the greater weight you should have when it comes to your moral authority because of your lived experience. <laughs> and um, But if you go and watch that video, which is very graphic, and I know it's been shown in some public in some middle schools and high schools, that was produced in 2011. And um, and so uh, this stuff has been around for a while, and there are teaching materials that go along with it. So, um, Dr. Mm-hmm. yeah. Dr. Swain, let me, let me follow up on that part. Um, not just teaching materials, but the texts and the books that are available to students, even if they are not uh, taught as a part of a lesson plan. What I mean is there's a big discussion and a debate right now about what they are calling book burning because there are some parents, I'm one of them, 
who are wholly opposed to having certain types of reading materials available, particularly in elementary or primary school libraries. They're not being taught, but they're being made available. And, you know, those of us who don't think that's appropriate, you know, we're being called book burners, modern-day book burners. How do you you address that aspect? Well, first of all, uh, sometimes there are some books that are being used in the classroom that children are not allowed to bring home, that the teachers are just dispensing them uh, in the classroom. They know the parents are not going to approve of it, and so the the books don't go home. And um, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, but Moms for Liberty in Williamson County, Tennessee, and there was also some Florida parents got access to the curriculum and the teaching materials and they went through the books, and all the books are not about race that are inappropriate. A lot of them are about uh, suicide, uh, about um, about suicide, as well as um, the sexual material that we would call uh, uh, porno. That these are things that are being presented to our children, and you wonder why would they do this to our children? Uh, they they have no sense of a child's innocence or the fact that parents themselves might want their children to have a few years that don't involve any type of sexual tension. And uh, there's no regard, I would say, for little white children uh, protecting them from being bullied and shamed because of the color of their skin. And so all the things that we know were wrong to do to racial and ethnic minorities that they uh, may have experienced as children they seem to think that with white children, it's okay to do this to them, that somehow this is going to make them more sensitive and compassionate if you shame them because of what their ancestors allegedly did or did not. And our children are not being presented with a balanced view of history, nor are they uh, being given age-appropriate materials. And uh, most of us have no problem with the civil rights movement being taught. In fact, it should be taught, but it should be taught accurately. And uh, and so that's the problem. Dr. Carol Swain is my guest. Dr. Swain, you, you point out in the uh, Epic Times article, I want to hit this a little further, what you just said. If If little white children are being told and taught that they are to blame for the actions of their ancestors, well, then shouldn't the, all of the actions of their ancestors be taught, including, as you wrote in the, uh, in the Epic Times, uh, the number of white abolitionists and white conductors of the Underground Railroad, white philanthropists who funded schools and universities where newly freed slaves and their descendants uh, could study and learn, that uh, white people risked their lives alongside with blacks to change this nation from a slave nation or a slavery nation uh, to the free nation that it became. How come that part isn't included in the 1619 Project? It doesn't fit the narrative uh, that they want. And at the end of the day, the 1619 Project, uh, you know, it's just part of this Marxist agenda. And it's not about uh, making things better for racial and ethnic minorities. It's not about racial reconciliation and healing. It's about destroying this nation. And, uh, and it's not just the public schools. It's the military. It's every institution in America that's been infected, even the U.S. Supreme Court. And it's not making us a better nation or a better uh, society. In fact, it's dragging us down. And other nations, I'm sure they must laugh at us because our children are not being educated in a way that they can compete effectively 
with young people educated in nations that are not uh, obsessed with uh, this Marxism and political correctness. I'm so glad you brought up Marxism again because you've talked about it a couple of times and people need to understand the influence and the role that Marxism has on uh, so many of these people pushing critical race theory. Dr. Swain, last question for you. As a black woman, um, I, I want to ask you about yesterday's quote-unquote historic uh, achievement of, uh, of uh, K- uh, Ketanji Jackson-Brown being uh, confirmed to the Supreme Court. I'm trying to understand the historical aspect of this because we have had black people on the Supreme Court. We have also had women on the Supreme Court. Um, now it's, well, we combine them this time, so that makes this better, This it makes this different. I don't quite understand it, and I don't know if it necessarily helps race and race relations in this country to continue to focus on those kinds of things. But I'm a white guy. You're a black woman. Maybe you see it differently. How do you see that? Well, I mean, I've written two uh, opinion pieces about uh, Katanji Brand Jackson and why she should not be on the U- U.S. Supreme Court. And I've been very troubled by the fact that the manner in which uh, President Biden selected this black woman ran counter to our Constitution and our civil rights laws. It violated the laws that she's going to be judging because he limited a competition to black women which discriminates against black men, white men, white women, Asian women, Asian men, every other group. And that was racist in and of itself because he could have uh, selected a black, nominated a black woman without discriminating against every other group. So that's very problematic. And she is not a win-win for black America or win-win for America. She's a win-win for progressives and the radical left, and when she refused or to define what a woman is, she signaled to the world how she would decide when a case uh, reaches the court involving trans women, biological men, um, she signaled what she would do. And so it, was, it wasn't a stupid answer that she couldn't define what a woman is. She has decided that anyone who uh, decides that they are a woman, they are a woman. Uh, any biological female that decides that uh, she's a man, then she's a man. So the, she spoke volumes in her answer, and she was arrogant at times uh, when she refused to answer things that she knew where she stood on these issues. It was a win-win for Black Lives Matter, People for the American Way, um, and other radical groups. It certainly is not a win for the American people. Uh, She is going to be one of nine crucial deciding votes that decide the future of this country case by case by case. And she, of course, has become a full activist. And uh, and I'm so glad to hear you uh, express it in the way you did. Certainly uh, better than I ever could have. Dr. Carol Swain, read her book, please, Black Eye for America, How Critical Race Theory is Burning Down the House. Dr. Carol Swain, thank you for the great work that you do, and thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Bye. God bless. All right, I, I really enjoy uh, talking with Dr. Swain, and I'm going to try to bring her on more frequently. She's a very <laughs> in-demand guest, so she's kind of hard to get sometimes, but I want to try to bring her on more frequently because very few people explain it as well as she does. She's the, she might be the, she might be the, uh, the yin to the yang of Dr. or of uh, Peter Kirsten, I rather. I mean, seriously, she might be the female version of the brilliance of Dr. or of, uh, I keep saying Dr. Kirstenau, of Peter Kirstenau. Uh, I, I enjoy her that much. I mean, really, to the level that I enjoy Pete, and he's always my favorite guy. 
Hey, Bob. Brian from Cleveland. Check it out. There's a meme on Facebook showing Mark Zuckerberg transitioning into Madam Circleback. Once you see it, you cannot unsee it. They look like twins. Have a great day, man. Love your show. Oh, Brian. Brian, Brian. Thank you. I have seen that. It's been a bit, though. I kind of forgot about it. I do remember it, and you're right. It does. They look like they could be twins, and it makes perfect sense since both of them engage in disinformation. And both of them engage in silencing facts. Uh, so, no, I, I did see that. It's been a little while now, but that's a great reminder. Thank you, Brian, for that message on alwayswrite.us. Don't forget, you can always leave messages for me, and I will play them on the radio. I, I, I did this primarily for people who can't listen live. Uh, I always say, too, if you just don't want to wait on hold, you want to get a message out there and let me play it, I'll do it. Uh, and you can do it that way during the show. But if you're listening to the show in the afternoon via the podcast page at alwayswrite.us or when, uh, over the weekend or whenever you're listening to it and you're like, oh, I have something to say about that, but I can't because the show's over and it's on tape, the best thing to do is record your message and send it to me. I'll still address it on the next show. And I've got a ton of them here that I'm going to be playing throughout the day today. So keep those coming in on a free-for-all Friday, whatever your message is. By the way, you know what I try to do, too? Because I tell you that the website is is kind of the companion to the radio show. On some of the news stories that you'll see on alwayswrite.us, you'll see just another button, a red button that says sound off, uh, in addition to the one on the right side, which is standard. That means this is a particularly interesting and controversial topic that I welcome your thoughts on. So click the red button underneath the prime stories uh, and give me your thoughts on those there. And again, we'll play them on the radio. All right, 10 o'clock, we'll get news now. We'll come back, and we've got phone lines open at 216-901-0945 on this free for all Friday. Our next guest isn't until 1035, so fill them up right now and have your say on Always Right Radio. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. With Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Our number two is underway on AM 1420, The Answer. Always Right Radio. Thanks for being with us. It is a uh, Friday, a free-for-all Friday, the eighth morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you so very much for being with us. Phone lines are wide open now, 216-901-0945. Whatever topic is on your mind is fair game on free-for-all. I will talk again to um, Christina Hagen coming up at 1035, uh, but we are guest-free before and after that, so this is a great opportunity for you to be heard. And it is, of course, always a great opportunity and a great time for you to call, or excuse me, to leave a message for me on the uh, uh, alwayswrite.us website. The way this guy did, and I want to address this. Hey, good morning, Bob. This is Derek from Richfield calling. I uh, just wanted to share with you an example of a newspaper article, I believe it was USA Today, that I had seen this morning, uh, just standing in line at a customer service at a store. And so it, the article was about Ohio trying to pass the similar uh, legislation as in Florida with a, a don't say gay bill, um, you know, very controversial. But what I found interesting in the article was how, you know, uh, w- one of the sentences read, um, 
how the bill, you know, uses, you know, broad language and it's going to be used to um, discriminate against um, and actually says this black, you know, capital B and LGBTQ communities. And just thinking, as I saw that, what, where does where do African Americans have anything to to do with this? With however they're saying whatever their uh, criticism of the bill is, I, I don't understand where did that come from. It, it was supposed to be they're calling the you know they're calling the don't say gay bill, and then somehow they just throw in that blacks are going to be discriminated also with it. It it's like they they just put that in there. Um don't even understand the, the the basis for that they just have to tie try to tie it all together to make it sound racist and and unfair um as as if black and lgbtq communities if it's just a pair you know they just go together uh like spaghetti and meatballs or something <laughs> but yeah it's just amazing how they how they write these things and put them out there just to give this this false uh perception but thank you for your time have a great thank you uh derek in richfield um what you're hearing there is what Dr. Carol Swain was talking about a short while ago. You are hearing intersectionality, or what you were reading, rather, is intersectionality. Intersectionality is that, that confluence of personal protected classes that some people are in. In other words, the more boxes, as Dr. Swain, that you can check of people that can be discriminated against, people that aren't privileged, if you are a person of color, check. If you're a gay person, check. If you're a gay person of color, it's double check, baby. If you are trans and uh, a person of color, ma, now, now you're really crossing out. The more, the more letters in the LGBTQ XYZ exclamation point ampersand hashtag question mark dollar sign uh, group, the more of those that you can choose, the you know, and, and count among yourself, the more uh, underprivileged and the, the more discriminated against you are. So that's why they're including, you know, this quote unquote "don't gay, say gay" bill, which is not that at all. But that's why they're saying it's going to be discriminatory against black people because they just group all of the protected classes together. Uh, so that's the reality. And as to the point, you're, what you're talking about is a bill that has been introduced, and I talked about it briefly. In uh, uh, on the program earlier this week, but it's been introduced in Ohio. Representative Mike Loichik introduced legislation on Monday that would prevent kindergarten through third grade classrooms from teaching, using, or referencing sexual orientation or gender identity in all public schools and most private schools. Now, I'm going to stop there. This is, by the way, a great article in the uh, Ohio Press Network or on the Ohio Press Network website. And it should be underscored here that it's not just inappropriate for k through three to be talking about sexual orientation but they shouldn't be talking about sex at all these are children they don't need to be hypersexualized at such a very young age they don't need to be hypersexualized quite frankly at any age sex and and sexuality should be something that is taught to them by their parents uh as they go through life as they are ready for it and appropriate you know and according to the parents judgment it's appropriate that's not saying there shouldn't be sex education in high schools obviously or even in middle middle schools presenting things as factual scientific cuz i remember having these classes scientific facts not as theories or emotions or feelings that's not saying you shouldn't do that but particularly at K through three, 
This is insane to sexualize. This is what people mean when they talk about groomers. And it's become a new phrase. Those of us who believe that teachers who are freaking out, they're freaking out on um, TikTok, mostly, and other places where they can record online videos about how they're not going to be able to talk about their gay sex lives or their trans sex lives with their first graders anymore. Why were you ever talking about that with your first graders in the first place? I mean, seriously, they're on TikTok crying. <laughs> talk about my gay lover. I can't talk about my trans husband or woman or whatever whatever it is. That's not your job. It's not part of your teaching requirements. And quite frankly, I think these people should be removed from classrooms immediately. If you are upset about not being able to talk about sex of any kind, sex or sexuality, straight, gay, self, multiple, whatever there is, if you're upset that you can't talk about that with your first and second and third graders and it's making you cry, lock yourself up somewhere and stay away from children. That should make you say, what do you mean? I'm not talking about that anyway. I'm here to teach my children how to read in first grade, teaching them how to add and subtract teaching them about most the most basic elementary concepts of spelling and grammar. That's what I'm trying to do because that's my job. Your first graders don't care about your sex life. Normal, straight, gay, deviant, doesn't matter. None of it is relevant. Representative Gene Schmidt of Loveland said about this Ohio bill, the classroom is a place that seeks answers for our children without political activism. Parents deserve and should be provided a say in what is taught to their children in their schools, end quote. And it's sad to say that I have to go right on. It shouldn't, need, it shouldn't require a right on because we should all just shrug our shoulders and say, of course. Well, well yeah, that's, that's exactly correct. I mean, what, is this somehow in dispute? Is this something that we didn't know before? It just should be just accepted standard practice. But instead, it's got to be like, yeah, because we have to push. It has become controversial. We have to push back against the groomers who want to talk to their children about sex. And by the way, it should not be lost on anybody. We've talked to several guests who have pointed this out. One of the leading drivers of this pre-sexualization of young children in schools and at Disney parks and in all of these other places where they're suing and, and fighting to, to uh, stop laws like this from going in, one of the leading drivers and funders of these movements is Planned Parenthood. Why? Well, you know why. The younger they sexualize kids, the younger kids are having or getting uh, having sex, and the younger the kids are having sex, the more unintended pregnancies, and the more ching money ching that they ching make ching killing babies ching in their crematoriums. Uh, not crematoriums. Excuse me, abortuaries. That was the word, abortuaries. Lisa is in Medina on AM 1420, The Answer. Lisa, good morning. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. Thanks Lisa for Woods. shedding a light on... Lisa Woods. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did not realize <laughs> okay. I should. Anytime I see the name Lisa in Medina, I should probably make the connection, but I don't always. Okay, I'm sorry. Go right ahead. <laughs> that's, that's quite all right. Thanks for, for um, all the great shows that you do, and I really appreciate... Uh, how much you shed the light on education. You know, I'm very passionate about that. And I know you are, a former uh, <laughs> board member of the Ohio Board. Yeah, so so thank you. Um, we do have a meeting tomorrow, 
we we have uh, two primary candidates, uh, John Adams running for Secretary of State and Jonah Schultz also running for Congress. And uh, I regret to say that um, Max Miller was scheduled to speak, and he has had a loss in his family and will be um, with his with with his family for uh, a funeral. Um, I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, and also, I know you remember Terry Smith, who recited the Reagan quote. Phenomenal. Or phenomenal. Speech? Yeah. Yeah. From memory. <laughs> from memory. He was amazing. <laughs> So yeah, he he really does great great work, and he comes and joins us every now and then, and he will be doing another one of those, and I'm excited to to do that. It's really a, a fun fun extra thing to do at the meetings. I'm sure it is, no doubt about it. So it should be a good time anyway. Yep, yep, and we've got some great stuff going on this this uh, month. Of course, we'll be having um, Bob France on the 23rd. <laughs> And and I also wait, want to wait 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 what? <laughs> Don't do this to me. Did, it's not April first. Did I miss something? <laughs> yeah, that would have been the time to do that. You're right. I'm sorry. No, I'm just messing around. And uh, and yeah, I'm very much looking forward to being there on April 23rd. Just what about a little a little about ten days, I guess, away from uh, election uh, primary election day. Right. Right. So we'll be excited to hear your insights on all the candidates and and all the information on what's going on with the primary. And also on April 30th, we uh, usually don't have a meeting on the 5th Saturday, but Dr. Duke Pesta will be in town. And he is, you know, a national speaker on critical race theory and also Common Core, the federal takeover of education. He will be giving an incredible, uh, probably alarming presentation that uh, parents will, would uh, should come out to see. So we'll be working really hard to try to invite someone first time, someone new, just someone down the road with kids in school, try to get them to that meeting because they need to hear what's going on. Totally, these, these, totally yeah. agree. This is, this, is, this is the mission. It should be the mission of every, every parent. Or even if you are your kids are grown, you've got grandkids coming up, or if you have friends who have younger kids and they're still in school and they aren't aware of this, you've got to teach them. And if you're not capable or qualified or comfortable teaching them what you just said, Lisa, get them in front of, uh, get them in an audience where they can can be in front of and and, uh, and listening to a speaker who can present the truth, the facts, because it's the only way we have a chance of saving our kids, keeping them kids as long as they can be kids where they're innocent and and protected rather than uh, exploited uh, and sexualized. So uh, I completely agree. Right. We'll talk we'll talk about that when we get closer to the thirtieth. But uh, but thanks for the heads up about tomorrow. And yes, I am looking forward to being there on the 23rd and lisa woods thanks for all the great work you do with mcfan thank you you got it lisa woods it's uh, 10 22 10 25 always right radio on free for all friday and fourteen twenty. the answer tom is in independence let's get him up and on the radio hey tom go right ahead Hey, Bob, I just wanted to touch on the Senate race again, how critical it really is. And it's good that you're uh, putting these guys on, but uh, they got to come to terms with each other and really narrow down the nonsense going on. Just after you talked to Josh uh, the other day, and uh, he somewhat retracted what he said, but not really. You know, that ad continued to run still, and that's really disappointing. And um, I just uh, hope these guys could uh, get together and 
Yeah, you know what? He did not retract it. Uh, th- that's very true. Um, I thought about pressing him even harder to say, you know, to apologize for it or to, you know, admit that Mike did not say something that he is alleging and that he's having all of these veterans and Gold Star moms say that he said. Um, but I kind of sensed, and thank you for the call, Tom. I think we just dropped his call. Um, <clears throat> but I didn't press it. I took his change of subject as an acknowledgement that I was right. He started to say, you can have your opinion. I could play this back. I probably should. You you can have your opinion on what Mike said and didn't say blah, blah, blah. And I cut him off. And I said, no, Josh, you can't do that, and I'm not going to play that way. There's no opinion as to what he said. It's there's it's on tape. We all heard it. It's very simple. It was on tape and on video. There's no opinion as to whether it's raining outside or not. You're either getting wet or you're not. It, it, there's no opinion on what what Gibbon said because it's there. And I said you need to stop that. And uh, if you want to criticize him about anything, criticize him about other things. You know, this is a campaign. You know, you're going to highlight your strong points and hit his weaknesses. Go ahead. But don't do this. And when I came, when I stopped talking, and Josh came back uh, with his next response, it was criticizing Mike Gibbons about China again and going after him for Chinese investments and Chinese companies and so on and so forth. And that's fine. Let Mike Gibbons defend himself on that, whatever, however he wants, because that's a, a legitimate question. So I took Josh's change when I said, don't hit him on this because it's not accurate. Hit him on things that are real. And then he hit him on something that was real. Um, I took that as his acknowledgement that, yeah, you're right. I'm not, I shouldn't do that. But then, as you just pointed out, um, you know, the ads were still running. As a matter of fact, I got this message on alwaysright.us. Hi, Bob. This is Kathy. And I heard you talk with Josh Mandel the other day regarding the uh, commercials and Mike Gibbons. And Josh claimed that he stopped those commercials and has a new one. Well, he lied to you because I am watching The Five. It is Wednesday evening, and I just saw a commercial bashing Mike Gibbons for something he did not say. The thing is, there was a veteran speaking, and he called Mike Gibbons disgraceful. Well, I think what uh, Josh Mandel is doing is disgraceful, and he out and out lied to you. So, I And, you know, Kathy, thank you for that message at alwaysrate.us, uh, and it dovetails off the last caller. Um, I agree. And I think I used that word too, Josh. I didn't pull any punches. I told him that what he was doing was disgraceful, dishonorable, dishonest, and deceptive. I think I hit him with four Ds. It was a four D shot. Because I think it's all of those things. It, it is dishonest, it is deceptive, it is disgraceful, and it is, um, it's, well, I think I may have hit the, the disgusting as well. Um, and I'm very, very troubled by that. And I know a lot of conservatives who were in Camp Mandel or who were undecided but had it down to one of those two guys, or at least were strongly considering voting for Mandel, who have told me they've checked him off the list now. They've crossed his name off the list. They're going to vote for somebody else, Gibbons or, or Vance. Uh, and I'm not trying to dimin- diminish, by the way, the candidacies of Dolan and Timken. I just think they're long shots and they have no chance. <clears throat> but... Um, the reality is uh, there are a lot of people who have very, been very, very... T- and I'm one of them, and I told Josh that, too. Because Josh knows I like him. I've been interviewing Josh for years. Back when he was the treasurer and putting the... Uh, and I was on another station, putting the checkbook online, and we talked about the importance of that. Josh knows how I feel about him. And he's absolutely somebody I was considering voting for. 
But I'm not going to announce that because I'm not endorsing anybody in this race. But I will tell you this. I was so put off by that. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a real, real strong factor in my own decision-making process, and I know it will be in a lot of others as well. I gave him a chance to try to retract it and pull it back. I let it go when he said, okay, then let's talk about his Chinese stuff. I won't talk about that. And then he went and continued the ad campaign anyway. So I've got a problem with that, too. I welcome all opinions, including dissenting opinions. That's uh, the beauty of this. We're not Twitter. It's not an echo chamber. You are allowed to disagree with the host. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. I'm going to talk to um, Christina Hagen after the news, too, coming up on AM 1420 Dance. upside down and the majority turns to the left turn to the right always right with bob france on am 1420 the answer 1037 we continue on this free for all friday if you're on hold stay there i'll be getting to you as quickly as i can if you are not on hold you should get there because i'll be getting to you as quickly as i can and that quickness will happen after we have a great conversation now with our regular friday commentator Christina Hagan, former Ohio State Representative, now a member of the Ohio Elections Commission. Christina, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I I am well, um, but I'm I'm not well uh, because, frankly, I'm full of righteous um, anger for the things that we're seeing in society and the things that we're not seeing in the media that are disturbing and are swept under the rug. Um, but I'm ready to talk. So I guess that's the good news. We can at least educate and inform people on the things that are going on that the mainstream media wishes to not expose. Yeah, that's exactly what we're supposed to do when we're filled with righteous anger and righteous indignation is is address it and bring it out and expose it, expose what the issues are, and uh, and, and hopefully other people will be filled with the same type of feelings and, uh, and try to demand some action. I know they were doing that uh, in uh, Congress. Some members of Congress uh, earlier this week demanded an investigation into the horrific find uh, in a Washington, D.C. apartment, uh, the aborted remains of, of, of uh, five babies, fetal remains in, the, in this apartment. Um, the pro-life nonprofit Live Action Group reported that physician experts said that the five children recovered from the apartment, quote, appear to have been viable human beings raising questions about the potential legal and serious ethical violations at the abortion clinic. And this abortion clinic is reportedly run by a late-term abortionist. You know, I think this country was rightfully outraged, as you're talking about, when we heard about Kermit Gosnell, who was doing this sort of thing for 30 years before uh, being sent to prison for the rest of his life. So, Christina, this is this is something that is worthy of your outrage, I would say. Yeah, so... Obviously, being here in leadership in a pro-life ministry where we go out into communities and try to give women the full truth about their child's identity and utero and the opportunity to affirm and validate that life, there's nothing more deeply disturbing to me than um, the uncovering of um, the taking of innocent human lives in a very brutal and visible way and clearly um, with serious violations of federal law. And, you know, illegal, illegal gruesome procedures and practices. And as you mentioned, I mean, this gave me flashbacks to the Kermit Gosnell um, circumstance, the mass murdering. And this thing, these things are happening every single day in this country um, across all states. 
And even some states like California and Maryland are moving to um, legalize infanticide after birth, um, allowing for children to die at the demise of their mother's hands if their mothers don't care to take care of them or nourish them or feed them or um, want to snuff them out in some way that uh, the law in those states is moving towards saying that's just A-OK. And I look at this D.C. circumstance where it's a horrific scenario, and you really pray for all the people involved because we know that these activists are likely tipped off by whistleblowers within these abortion operations. Um, they see that their abortion provider is not following the law, um, is operating outside of the law, is likely committing partial birth abortions, and even worse, um, after or post-birth abortions. And, you know, it doesn't really matter how you look at it morally, medically, scientifically, no matter how you cut it, it's the killing and taking of an innocent human life. And um, when you think about the people that are supposed to safeguard our country, our police, our um, our medical examiners, the people that are supposed to ensure justice. Um, when they stand at the podium um, in a circumstance like this, where innocent babies' bodies have been found and disclosed uh, to expose such an evil, wicked corruption that exists in our country that's happening every single day, um, but in this case is happening brutally and visibly and being turned out by its own um, perpetrators from within, and they say that there's nothing to see here, that we should turn away, that the only criminal activity that transpired was by hands of the activists who got the baby's bodies out of that circumstance in an effort to expose. My heart is broken because the actual criminal activity is the taking and destroying of those innocent babies' lives. And they refer to them, um, the, the professionals referring to them as items. Items discovered at the scene of this woman's house, items. And then later referred to them, the items were fetuses. Well, we all know that fetus is a Latin term for baby, um, for the beginning of human life. So it's, it's just never-ending attempt at corruption and defiling of basic human dignity. And there is zero, zero desire to investigate on their part the actual crime against humanity that continues to transpire. So I say we just continue to rattle the cages of anybody that is in power that is allowing for this to go on, especially in that D.C. region, just unrelenting letters called whatever it takes, just your active presence, um, to make the ignoring of the most evil and corrupt act of killing children on earth to be made visible to the entire public. Christina, the um, some of the facts of this particular situation that the media is not reporting on should should be reported, if for no other reason, not to shock or to... Um, uh, for any other reason than to drive the righteous anger uh, that we're talking about here. And I just want to share a very, very small portion of this. Based on evidence collected at the time of recovery and photos that have been publicly shared, all five of these children appear to have developed well past the point of viability and likely suffered deeply painful abortion procedures. Though without an autopsy, it is not known specifically how each child died. For example... One baby girl has significant damage to her head with deep lacerations at the back of the neck and may have been the victim of an illegal partial birth abortion. We know how those are carried out. I won't get too graphic at this moment. Another baby was found in its amniotic sac and could have been born alive. These children deserved life and an opportunity at life. And what members of Congress are doing right now, some 
are demanding a full investigation by the leadership in Washington, D.C., and that would, of course, fall to Mary, Muriel Bowser. I, I don't necessarily think she sees this as, you know, in the same way that we do. Um, like most far-left progressives, they are pro-choice. They don't believe these are five babies, that whatever these are, they are exactly what you said a moment ago, Christina. They're items. But if we don't put any pressure on our members of Congress and any leadership that we can find, um, then this sort of horrific, um, you know, ghastly and grotesque behavior will continue in other places. Christina, are you still there? Yes, yes. Um, to be honest, Bob, I'm having a hard time just gathering my thoughts on this and brings me to near tears thinking about how these precious lives could be taken, um, that there could be no justice. No, um, no vindication of any sort to even define what was done to them so brutally, um, against their will, against their, um, safe haven. I mean, it, the womb is supposed to be the place, the safest place on earth for a child to grow, um, and flourish. Yet we allow for these acts of evil to continue happening in this country and allow for the medical professionals, the law enforcement professionals to turn a blind eye to this evil. It's, I mean, this is disturbing. It's hard to, um, be proud of our country when we know this is happening every single day. And no question about it. We're talking with Christina Hagen. She's our regular Friday pundit and commentator on all of the things in the news. This is obviously a very tough one. Uh, let's move to a different way. This is also about children and children's health, but in a different way, because it involves the Akron Children's Hospital. But the issue here isn't the kids. It's the workers who care for those children. A group of 66 employees who were fired by Akron Children's Hospital for not complying with the institution's COVID-19 profit jab mandate have filed a class action lawsuit now in federal court. Uh, they believe that their right to religious accommodations have been violated, their First Amendment rights, uh, and indeed, they applied for uh, religious exemptions from the uh, mandate, and they were all turned down. So there is a class action lawsuit now that has been filed. The attorney representing the 66 employees is Warner Mendehall, who said this is clearly unconstitutional. They had all applied for religious exemptions but were denied. These people have been working in the pandemic for two years. They've been exposed. All of them have natural immunity, and the exemptions, by not granting the exemptions, Akron Children's is hurting services to the community. It's pretty hard to argue against that, I think. Christina, what's your take? Yeah, unquestionably. I mean, the reduction of staffing when these people worked for well over two years through the, quote, um, pandemic, unquote, you know, you think about the reality that, okay, so there may be 66 members left in this class action lawsuit. Many have moved on um, to find new careers where they're not able to directly provide care to children, although they are medically um, trained and educated to do so and have done so through their livelihood and their careers. Um, it's really tragic to think that this, much like the former circumstance, has no moral, medical, or scientific distinction for why they were let go. And I often wonder, Bob, you know, why does an employer um, like this hospital have an exemption form if there is no intention to honor or respect employees' deeply held religious beliefs? Um, I, you know, again, hard to be proud of our country in these moments where our most deeply held religious beliefs are violated, where our ability to govern our own bodies medically um, based off of proven data regarding immunity, natural immunity that they all very well have from working in that environment for over two years' time through the height of the pandemic, 
there really is no medical which has been proven yeah which which has been proven by the way to be more robust that protection and that immunity from natural naturally occurring antibodies is far better than that of the any of those vaccines as they call them as a matter of fact they have had to admit that no these quote-unquote vaccines do not prevent transmission they simply can lessen the symptoms and they know this because that's why they've had to come back with a booster two booster three booster four and of course oh even if you've been boosted all the way through keep your mask on we don't want you spreading this virus well you're admitting that the 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 vaccines don't work and yet you're denying these hospital workers uh their religious freedom to make up their own minds so from a religious standpoint and a science standpoint the hospital loses Exactly. Exactly. In my opinion, I mean, these people not only deserve the exemption, they don't they not only deserve the injunction and for damages to be restored to them, back pay, whatever it takes and re onboarding them as medical employees, uh, because quite frankly, I would be thrilled to have any one of them serving alongside my children when I've been into um, the children's setting at the hospital with my son overnight with breathing difficulty and looking at the staffing situation being understaffed is completely unacceptable. Um, it undermines the very things they say they care about in health practices and they ignore uh, medical science and data. I just, I wish that these decisions were made on the basis of freedom and human dignity, but clearly that's not um, what we're working towards in this country at the moment under this administration. Well, I'd, I I'd be satisfied if they if they made these decisions based on science. Forget about freedom and human absolutely. dignity. Even even if they don't want to, if they don't want to play the freedom and dignity and religious, uh, you know, uh, values game here, then let's at least use science. And their statement here just is completely non factual. Quote: This is from the hospital. Akron Children's Hospital is confident that our procedures for reviewing exemption requests from our COVID vaccination requirements are appropriate and legal. A vaccinated workforce is the best protection we can offer our patients, many of whom are... I know, many of whom are vulnerable and non-eligible for vaccination and is the best way to move beyond the pandemic. It is absolutely a lie. Science says so. Statistics say so. Uh, You know, there's a... A report in the uh, yeah. toxicology, uh, or excuse me, the journal Toxicology Reports that talk about COVID shots killing five times more seniors than the infection did. Uh, talking about exactly. the higher vaccination rates not translating to lower case rates. I mean, all of the science says this is ridiculous. Grant their exemptions, and they just continue to dig their heels in. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm interested in the. Um the function of this lawsuit that's related to the government actor doctrine, that this was by the forcing of the hand of the administration into these hospitals. So I think that provides additional um, leg up to all of those who have been wrongfully discharged from their duties and um, cut away from their jobs. I pray that that has some bearing because clearly this level of government coercion into these private employers um, and the decisions that they're making, not based in medical science, um, not based in the data that obviously bears out that if you have um, received the shot and you've been boosted and you've been double boosted, that every time you take a shot, your likelihood of getting the actual <laughs> the actual um, virus has increased and with worse outcomes. So why in the world would we want for these people to have to go through that, let alone have their rights stripped away? And then worse than just the discrimination of not even being able to hold on to their religious, philosophical, or otherwise exemptions, medical exemptions even, um, but also to be discriminated against for 
having those rights. It's, this is not the way our country is supposed to function, and I pray that they are served justice in this circumstance. I will join you in those prayers. Christina Hagan, former state representative, now member of the Ohio Elections Commission. Christina, thank you so much. We appreciate you as always, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. God bless Bob. Thank you. All right. God, God bless you, too. All right, friends. 1056. Let's get a couple of phone calls in here before the top of the hour. We are guest-free the rest of the way, by the way. So for the next hour plus, uh, or, hour, or hour or so, I should say, uh, we'll get you up and on the radio, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Let's go to uh, Jim is in West Park. Hey, Jim, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, I have a political campaign question for you and a comment. Okay. Why don't you ever mention Mark Pukata? Now, I was a Gibbons guy, but I think he could be bought. He gravitates towards the money. Mandel uses dirty tricks. There's an old joke saying, if you fight with a pig, you're both going to get bloody, and the pig enjoys it. And for every, uh, for every legislature that goes to Washington, there's six lobbyists feeding them carrots, or feeding the elephant a, a fresh phrase or fur or something like that. Uh, he was the first one that tried to out-primary Portman. So why don't you ever mention his name? Okay, I'll answer that question after you make your second point. Okay, my second point is about vaccines. The question on science is, what makes people gay? Are they born with it or what? Well, this woman... I don't know if you've ever read the book, Geoengineered Transhumanism by Elena Freeland. I'm aware of the book. She explains it very well. When you use aborted fetus body parts in vaccines, it kind of messes up people's uh, things, okay? Uh, Dr. Bradstreet proved that autism is caused by the vaccines, and he, and he fixed his two kids that had it. But he was, he, he ended up uh, face down in a river with two bullet holes in the back of his. Uh, so okay. when you had this guy on with matching organs the other day, uh, you got to have a match. So what I'm saying is, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Thanks for the call. You got it. Thank you for that, Jim. And thanks for that acknowledgement at the end there. Um, I'm I'm not going to go anywhere near the second part of that because it was all over the place. As far as Mark Pukita, uh, Mark is running a very odd campaign, and and he's running a a, a losing campaign. And it's not something that's going to be effective for him. There's a reason why he hasn't even been invited on the stage at all of these debates. Uh, He is polling at less than 0%. Uh, if that's possible, it is. I mean, zero meaning it's less than 1%, I should say. It's in the zeros. Um, and so it's just not something that is, uh, it's worth the, the time and the discussion, quite frankly. Um, we're looking for the next senator. And we're deciding among the people who have a chance of being the next senator. Mark doesn't. Uh, also, personally, I find a little bit of his uh, antics to be off-putting, uh, attacking anybody who doesn't agree with him in a very much a Blystone sort of a way. And it just doesn't sit well with me. Now, does that mean I won't put him on the radio? Absolutely not. I'm fair. I'll put him on the radio. I have had him on the radio. Um, but, uh, but no, I, it's, not a, it's not a serious campaign. Uh, it is an attempt for attention. Uh, and I don't think he has a chance of becoming in the, in the next senator. And I think the valuable 
radio time that we spend on this should be spent on people who have a chance of being the next senator from the state of Ohio. So we're going to continue to focus on those people. Uh, if Mark Perkita wants to call in, he is welcome to do so. Every time I talk to a Senate candidate, I always remind the others that they are invited uh, if they want to come on and have some equal time. But um, but no, Mark is uh, is not in my mind a serious candidate. He stands for some good things, but his uh, campaign style and his uh, uh, and his uh, antics, I think, during this make him a non credible candidate. So. That's the reality. That's the reason I'm talking to the people I'm talking to on a really big, on a daily basis. Thank you for the question, though, Jim. We'll take more questions and calls and comments after the news. Hour three coming up. Always right radio. You and I know. And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Third and final hour of the broadcast underway now at 10 minutes past 11. Thanks for being with us on this free for all Friday, the eighth morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2022. Still got a lot of great messages to get to on alwaysright.us. Got a lot of great phone calls in the uh, waiting room as well, so let's dive right into it as we continue in hour number three. Um, first of all, this one is Tanya in Akron who decided to go the website way instead of the phone call way this time. Good morning, Bob. This is Tanya from Akron. Since you're going to have Dr. Piper on today, ask him about Fox. Looks like this one was left yesterday before the show. My apologies for not getting to it yesterday, Tanya, but go on. News now having Caitlyn Jenner as now another contributor. He will be on Sean Hannity's tonight. What makes Fox any different from Disney? It's time to boycott and not listen to Fox any longer. We are going to be in the same generation as our parents and grandparents who took pledge out of the schools, prayer out of the schools. Now we're watching Fox and being indoctrinated. Not I. Today is the last day that I will ever watch any Fox Nation Fox News Station. I will be listening to you and other conservative and Christian points of view. I Tanya, am not going to be brainwashed. Tanya and Akron left that message on alwayswrite.us, and you, you should commit to not being brainwashed. I am with you on that. Here's the response to it that I would have, though. I think sometimes, and this is sometimes said in politics, uh, 
Uh, I think it applies here, too, in this way, in terms of media. I don't want the enemy of, uh, of, of perfect to be the good. Do not let the uh, do not let good be the enemy of perfect. I guess is the the correct way to say that, right? In other words, Fox News is not perfect. They are good, however. They do a lot of good. They put a lot of viewpoints on the airwaves that no other networks will put on. Um, and so that's that's something that I I weigh when I decide whether I'm going to continue to participate in. Uh, you know, in a particular product or service, or if I could, if I want to be a patron of a business, or a viewer of a program, or or a listener of a program, is it perfect? No, but do they do a lot of good? I see a lot of good things, and I hear a lot of good things from a lot of good people there, and I don't want to block those things out of my co- uh, consciousness because I want to avoid the wokeness of bringing Caitlyn Jenner on to pretend uh, that uh, that he's a woman. Uh, Bruce Jenner's a woman. So I get your point. Uh, to answer your question as to how it's different than Disney, uh, the target audience of Fox News is adults. Adults who are particularly conservative-minded, um, who are going to be able to process whatever they give well, because they are mature and, and mentally and emotionally developed and formed, uh, you know, formed people. The target audience of Disney is children. It's not it's not parents that they're targeting with cartoons and with you know magical stories of princes and princesses and fairies and uh, fairy tales that is uh, and all the rest. It's not you know it's not targeted to adults. It's targeted to kids. And when they say they want to queer it up and sexualize it as much as they can, which is what those videos revealed, we know they're trying to literally take children at their formative years in their brain developmental years uh, and and warp them and change them. And te- uh, uh, turn them into something else, and that's a difference that I that I that I find. Do I like everything that's on Fox News? No, I guarantee you there are a lot of people who love this show who don't agree with everything I say. There shouldn't be really. I, I I truly believe the only person that anybody should ever agree with fully and wholeheartedly is themselves, right? There is nobody else who thinks exactly like you do. The only person who thinks exactly like you do is you. You don't have thoughts in your head that you disagree with. You come to an opinion on something because that's how you feel about it, and you should agree with yourself. 100% of the time, you should agree with yourself. But you should never agree with another person 100% of the time, no matter how much you have in common, no matter how much you might uh, like their ideology or their, their worldview. So... That's the way I feel about it. People can listen to me, and if they don't like something I say or disapprove of a guest I do or a segment I do or something like that, that's normal, and that's okay, and I'm a big boy, and we can we can disagree and agree to disagree and so on and so forth. But uh, I would hope you wouldn't turn off the radio and not listen to my program every day because of a segment or an, an opinion that you disagree with. Don't let the good or uh, don't let uh, good be the the enemy. I'm sorry. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. I've been butchering that now f- for what four minutes. Uh, do not let the perfect be the enemy of the good, I think is the correct way to say that. So you understand the point. That's why that, That's why I'm with Fox News. Do I like them bringing on Caitlyn Jenner? No. Do I, will, will I watch that when Caitlyn Jenner is one of the uh, uh, commentators? No, I probably won't. Uh, does that mean I'm going to boycott the whole net network? Probably not, because I think there is good there that uh, I don't, I don't want to turn away from. All right, thank you for that message, Tanya. Appreciate it. Let's go back to the live phone calls now. BJ is in North Olmstead. BJ, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hi, Bob. Uh, I've been dealing with some seniors, and I have occasion to go to 
senior housing and centers. The next thing we're going to have to be concerned with, and I certainly set this warning out to 70 and 80-year-olds, and I being 91 think I know what I'm talking about. Because of uh, the abortion issue going on like it is, the next one we're going to have to watch is the euthanizing of senior citizens. Right now, these these uh, senior centers are overloaded with bed patients. A lot of them are drawing uh, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Social Security. They're a major, major tax burden on the government. And you're going to see in, in this coming election more talk about legalizing euthanasia as they have out in the West Coast for senior citizens. And, uh, and, and we do know this for a fact. When it started with the abortion issue, there were certain limitations. Then it opened up bigger and bigger and taking babies out when they were full birth and, and euthanizing them. So <laughs> murdering babies is going to lead to murdering senior citizens. And I think we have to become aware of that. If we're going to become a nation, so-called Christian nation, of killing people, I don't think you're going to be welcome into the paradise land if there is that place waiting for us. But I think I just I just had to alert you that senior citizens have become a major burden. A lot of them are bedridden in these senior places that are going up all over, and they have to find a way. And I've talked to nurses, and they feel very much the same way. But uh, I think it's something to be aware of, and I thank you for your time. And by the way, you're doing a hell of a good job this year, and I appreciate it. Thanks, thank, Bob. Thank you, BJ. I appreciate that, too. Um, you know, I, I'm reminded when he talks about that stuff of um, of Obamacare and uh, how they mocked Sarah Palin for talking about, uh, you know, the, the um, doctors and the insurance companies putting their heads together to decide who's worth saving and who's not, who should get life-saving medical care and who should just be kept comfortable while they waited to die. And, when the, and they mocked Sarah Palin for talking about pushing, you know, granny off a cliff and all these kind of things. And we weren't wrong. Um, and I'm not saying it's all because of Obamacare, but everything BJ just said is true. There are so many senior citizens who are living in, you know, you know, group settings, uh, congregate homes and so, so on and so forth, nursing homes and so forth, who are just not uh, valued very much. And if you don't think that should matter to you, I think it should matter to you every single bit as much as abortion does. And the reason why is you've already been born. You survived. You didn't, you didn't get aborted. You're ahead of the game. But you know what will happen? You will get old. That one's still in front of you. That one's still in front of all of us. You will get old. How do you want to be treated when you're 75? How do you want to be treated when you're 91 like BJ? How do you, what, what, um, do you want people advocating for you and arguing for you and for your quality of life and your right to life and your right to choose or not choose, uh, right to a try when it comes to experimental procedures possibly that can help lengthen your life? You know, these are these are things we should all be thinking of. While we try to defend the most defenseless among us being the babies in utero, we should also defend another very, very defenseless population, which is seniors who are sometimes at the mercy of doctors, nurses, and most importantly, insurance companies who are deciding what kind of care they deserve. Thank you, BJ. Nancy is next in uh, Cleveland. Hi, Nancy. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. I heard I was listening to your uh, sister station. Sometimes they have some local political news, but mm-hmm. uh, they were uh, making a statement on this one thing that I thought was important for your and your you and your viewers to uh, uh, know. But there was okay. a fellow that uh, studied eighty six ancient civilizations, 
and he was uh, trying to figure out what caused the demise of these uh, civilizations. And, uh, and in each case, after long-term study, he says the two things that bring down a civilization are people who don't believe a virtuous single life or a monogamous structured family life. In every case, it, and it takes three generations for this to happen as they break down the individual uh, virtuous person and the family structure, eventually the uh, civilization fades away. So we're on our way, Bob. I think if we um, don't stop it. <laughs> I, I, I think you may have been listening to this station instead of uh, the other station, our sister station, because that was the exact conversation that I had yesterday with Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper. Okay, was it him? Because, oh, yeah. like I said, I listened to the other. I, well, sometimes I get confused because I, I don't know. remember which no, one. No, I get it. I get it. Well, we share a lot of the same values with our sister station, obviously. It's just that theirs is more faith-driven and ours is more political and news-driven. But a lot of times they cross right over one another. And you're correct. Dr. Piper did bring that up, talked about the 86 different civilizations and cultures that died and how and why and the similarities that uh, that led to them. And that's exactly what they found or this researcher found in a, a writing back in 1936. Uh, yeah, so, so if our citizens don't get back to, uh, you know, family and structure, God and country, uh, we're on our way out. Well, this is why we're no fighting. This is why we're fighting so hard, honestly, Nancy, to stop this attempt to destroy the nuclear family. The mother and the father living in the same household as a married uh, a couple, uh, producing offspring and teaching them and raising them to do the same thing, to continue to propagate the species and protect uh, our, our culture. Um, it's, it's funny, exactly... I learned a lesson from a elderly uh, lady when you know people have uh, relationship problems. And, of course, she went through this herself. And the one thing she said, shacking don't make it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to put it. Thank you for the call, Uh, Nancy. (laughs) Shacking don't make it. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal might disagree with that. You think shacking has made it pretty well for him, but that's a different kind of shacking, I suppose. No, but the attack on the nuclear family, the attack on... um, Science and scientific biology and physiology and anatomy and chromosomes, uh, which is what they're doing now and trying to say you aren't male or female if your head doesn't tell you that you are, and your head can tell you whatever we fill it with, especially in the developmental formative years. This is an attack on the nuclear family. They believe that the village should should raise children instead of moms and dads and parents raising children. And that's why they want schools to be the de facto parents. It's all an attack on the culture. And yes, at the end of the day, it will end like so many other cultures. Uh, And that is with its own self-destruction. It's a little heavy this morning. But you know what? Let's lighten it up a little bit at 11.23. 11.25. Getting me for a few more phone calls in here for the uh, bottom of the hour. We'll go to Berea next. Sally, you are on Always Right Radio. Sally, go right ahead. Hi, Bob. I don't understand how school officials and their accomplices can get away legally with performing the literal brainwashing and uh, medical procedures without parental consent on minors. If there are physical problems, like infections, and not to mention psychological damage, the parents have to get and pay for treatment. It used to be a hassle 
to get a school nurse to dispense aspirin or an allergy pill to our kids. Plus, the question, who the heck is paying for all of this? Because we know it's not cheap. Finally, I agreed with BJ's concerns as a vulnerable senior myself. Thanks. Thank you so much for the phone call. And it's a great question. The part that you mentioned that is the most important, as you said, without parental consent. Um, and you know what? They're finding their ways around that, I think. I am about to post something at the end of this show that was shared with me with a concerned resident in Lakewood about Lakewood Public Schools. And there is a letter that has been sent to parents and guardians of sixth graders telling them, that a huge presentation involving gender identity, gender uh, expression, uh, the differences between those and biological sex, etc., is going to be given to all of their sixth graders. It's called the gender snow person. And it's got a picture of a snowman that is, well, guess not a snowman anymore, right? And it's not a snow woman. It's a snow thing because it doesn't know what it is yet. The gender snow person features gender identity, boy, girl, both, or neither. Who you are and how you feel as a person. We all have a gender identity, it says. Sexual orientation, who you love or attracted to. Did I mention this is being given to sixth graders? Why should they be talking about sexual attraction when they're 11? Sex assigned at birth, it says. Girl, boy, intersex and pronoun assigned at birth. Sex is not assigned. Sex happens when you're born. In fact, sex happens when sperm meets egg. When zygote happens, that's when sex happens. It's not an assignment. It's what what you are made. It's what God decided you are. And then finally, in the sexual gender snowman that's being taught to Lakewood School students, One of the many ways that we can show who we are through clothing is through clothing, hair, and mannerisms. Part of this lesson prompts students to draw some clothing and hair on their gender snow person. Suggestions might include a bow tie, hair, mustache, skirt, pants, and shoes. Make certain students are being respectful and not making, and I, it's cut off there. I have actual physical hard copies that were pictures of hard copies that were taken uh, and sent to me. So it's, it was cut off there. But you understand the point. They're going to try to teach kids, little boys, that they're not little boys, little girls that are not little girls. And by the way, not necessarily that they're the other, that they might be both. That was in the, in the language here. They might be both, boy and girl, or they might be neither. This is flat-out brainwashing, and to the caller's point, Sally's point, how do they get away with this without parental consent? They send home a note like this. Parents look at it and ignore it and say whatever, and then they've been informed. And therefore, their lack of opposition to it is viewed as consent, right? That's what they're doing. And a previous caller earlier today said, uh, you know, we, we have to share this information with other people, and that is exactly correct. If you Maybe your kids are grown and you don't have to worry about this, but your grandkids are coming, and they're on their way into these schools. And maybe it's your neighbor's kids. Maybe it's other family members' kids. Uh, maybe your nieces and, and nephews have their own kids. And if they're not aware of this stuff, it is incumbent upon all of us to make them so. This is so dangerous. I just posted that on my Facebook page, which is Always Right. If you look on Facebook and look for Always Right Radio, you'll find my Facebook page. 
I'll put it on my Getter account, and most importantly, I'll put it on Always Right US after the show today, right here on AM4, and uh, we'll be right back on AM1420, The Answer. Final segment on AM 1420, The Answer. Don't forget, we always let Bill O'Reilly close out the hour for us. So uh, we'll have that coming up here. But let's try to squeeze in a few more phone calls between now and then. TJ in Cleveland. Hey, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, BJ's right. But, you know, the left's not going to stop with the seniors. Their next step will be the mentally ill, the chronically ill. You know, and I feel sorry for BJ. You know, his generation defeated the Nazis only to wake up one morning and find out the Nazis are trying to take over this country now. But the reason I called, Bob, is about that clinic interview you did yesterday with that lady. I'm still fuming on that. And, you know, if I read the clinic right, they're going to tell me I'm not vaccinated, so I can't operate on you. But if you happen to die on the way home, we'll be more than happy to harvest your unvaccinated organs. This tells me this hospital means profit, profit, profit. And I'll tell you another thing, Bob. If it was one of these woke doctors or administrators and their son was on the line and the only available donor would be an unvaccinated donor, I have no doubt they would change their policies and move the goalposts because the left does this all the time. I mean, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting what this clinic is doing. Yeah. I mean, it's just totally, totally disgusting. And that part, and that it, part that you—I'm sorry, go ahead, TJ. I thought you yeah, were rapping. Go ahead. But no, uh, <laughs> what what she ought to do, this mother, Trump passed that law, the right to try. Yeah. Now, if the husband says, "I want to try," and I don't care if I die on the operating table, I'll take that chance because I haven't been uh, vaccinated. He has the right to try, and she ought to get a good lawyer to push that aspect of it. They're violating the law by not letting him try. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, TJ, I, I don't necessarily think that that's what the argument is from the clinic. They're not worried about him dying, I don't think. I that's, think... Oh, no, Bob, she said that. No, she said that the reason they gave her that since he was unvaccinated, he could die on the operating room, and they're not going to take that but risk. They, but they were going to sign a waiver saying we will not uh, we'll indemnify the hospital if something were to happen. I think that the real motivation here, they believe that if you transfer an organ from uh, a non-vaccinated person, you might be transferring a COVID-infected organ into the recipient. Um, and that's the reason I think they're freaking out over this about, about whether or not he's, uh, he's vaccinated. That's, and, cause I think that would fit the narrative. That would fit their well, argument well, that wait, COVID wait, Bob, is. Still... Remember when she asked them? Not, she said no, I know, she asked I know. Them, yeah, I know. what if, Will you take organs from an unvaccinated uh, organ donor? And they said, yes, we will. From a dead person. From an yes, unvaccinated from person, corpse. Right. Right, which is bizarre, so, and then when I and when uh, and that's that's one of the worst things. And when I asked her what they said in response, she just said a whole bunch of legal mumbo jumbo, but there was no real answer for it because there isn't. It makes no sense. That's why um, 
I, I, I kind of feel like if, uh, if, if this, and, and by the way, the other part of this that we haven't even talked about is, is about the boy. You know, what, what, what is his status with vaccination? He's, he's nine. He's old enough to be vaccinated because they're vaccinated. Did they require him to vac- get vaccinated or not? I don't recall that part of the story. No, good so, point. Good yeah, point, though. Yeah, so why only the dad? If, if, and, and not the son as well. But either way, they have violated, and we talked about this, and I'm sure you agree, the Hippocratic Oath of do no harm. First, do no harm. They are doing harm by making a medical decision not to provide a life-saving kidney transplant from father to son. And that is, that is the very definition of harm, which is why, in my view, TJ, I could give a rat's rip what the Cleveland Clinic says about this going forward. I would take my child and my husband somewhere else. I wouldn't let them touch my kid with a, with a Q-tip, much less with a scalpel. She should take him to St. Jude. Yeah, a lot of you people know, have said hospital. that, too. Yep, a lot of people have said that, that that might be the, the best way to go. TJ, thank you, my friend. God bless. Appreciate the call. Let me go to Cheryl next in Lakewood. Hi, Cheryl. Go ahead. How are you? I just want to very quickly say that to, to the caller who said, how are they doing this without parental consent and who's paying for it? In 2018, California passed a law, that's uh, AB 2119, which specifically says, that children as young as 12 years old in the foster care system are allowed to get um, puberty blockers and other transgender drugs and treatments without parental consent. This is taxpayer-funded. The article is in Town Hall, um, September 27, 2018. Uh, New California law allows children to get transgender treatments without parental consent. And I just want to note how, how crucial it is that people understand how dangerous this is. When they had that bill in, um, in Senate and, and, and in the House, uh, the American College of Pediatricians submitted a position paper telling them that they were vehemently against this bill because it was so dangerous to the health of children. So you've got Jim Psaki trying to say that the medical community is doing life-saving procedures of this nonsense when the American College of Pediatricians is saying, no, this is harmful to children, this is dangerous to children. They noted that some of the dangerous, child effect, uh, dangerous side effects of these, um, of these drugs on children are, and I quote, um, heart attack, stroke, diabetes, hypertension, cancer. And they also noted that 88% of gender dysphoric girls and 98% of gender dysphoric boys will, if given time, eventually identify with their biological sex by the time they get into late adolescence. So these children would eventually (laughs) come around to being the people that they are. This is just a phase that they're going through. And this is the American College of Pediatricians saying we can't do this, but we are. And this is what every parent should be aware of, that the goal of what they're doing in California right now, that is the goal nationwide. We have to stop this. Well, I'll tell you what, Cheryl, you make awesome points all the way around. The one thing that I would add to what you said, and thank you for the phone call, is you know you said this is a phase they're going through. It used to be that in the very rare occasions when a kid would go through a phase like this, that's how it was treated. Now it's not a phase that a kid might be going through. Now it's intentional. Now it's indoctrinational. Now it is, it is grooming. Now it is exactly what I just described as going on in the Lakewood schools. This isn't just a, some kid happens to be going through some sort of a weird identity crisis, which he eventually grows out of. Now, this is, we're teaching it. We're pouring this information into their heads. Um, Steve in uh, University Heights. Hi, Steve. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you, you, you commented before you don't mind if people disagree with you, Paul. Not at all. And, and, Not at all, I but do. just so you know, you've got about 35 seconds to make that disagreement. Go ahead. All right, well, look, I'm, 
look, I never met the guy, but I disagree with what you said about Mandel. I'm a big Mandel supporter. I think he did a great job as treasurer and happened to like Marines who were combat veterans. But I disagree with you. I, what, what Gibbons said in total was, you didn't spend any time in the private sector, you know squat. I took that as disrespectful to veterans, so I disagree with your interpretation. Secondly, th- th- Josh... Thank you, thank you for that. Call me back on Monday if you want to add to the disagreement, because I can't even respond to it right now. We're about to hit the bu- uh, buzzer here. Thanks to everybody for being on the show today. Thanks to callers. Thanks to our crew. Uh, thanks to listeners. Always appreciate you. Have a safe weekend. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.